God first. And this is the last series that I'm going to preach uh, on this generous series. Next week, I'm going to teach on stewardship. And there's a lot of people that get confused in the body of Christ about the difference between generosity and stewardship. They call it the same, and it is not. Generosity is one thing. Stewardship, knowing how to manage what you have, is a totally different thing. And so I'm going to talk about that next week. But this week, in the final message <clears throat> in this series, is one that I want you to sit up in your seats, square your shoulders, and get ready. This may be the most important message I ever preached to you. I, I'm, and I'm serious. I'm not saying this for uh, hyperbole. I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to, uh, to, to just blow smoke or whatever. I'm saying this because this is true. Is God first? This will be the most important message. If you never hear another message the rest of your life in church, this would be the one that I would preach to you. So, if you will stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word, don't forget you have version on your Bible app, so you want to check that out. Uh, if you don't already have version, you need version. it is wonderful, it'll give you the notes, it'll give you the whole deal. Alright, is God first? Poke your neighbor say, is God first? Now before you just say yes, I want you just to think about, and as I preach, is God really first in your life? Is God first? We're going to read from Genesis chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 1. And when you have it, shout out a good amen. 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 Now, Holly, that Genesis is in the Old Testament. It's the first book. Amen. <laughs> I'm feeling a little spry today. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Yeah, I heard that comment, Holly. I'll, I'll pay for that later. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Everybody say, is God first? All right, here's what the scripture reads. Now, the man had relations with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3 said, came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the first of, or excuse me, of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. Verse 5, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, if you do not do well, excuse me, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for what you're about to teach us. I thank you for what you're about to show us. I thank you for your hand that is in this place. I'm asking you, God, for a fresh anointing, God, to deliver your word in spirit and in truth, Father, in power and in deed and not in word and tongue only. God, I pray let this seed be buried in the good soul of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. I pray speak to us the fresh word of God for this message is way more to do with it than just about finances and generosity. God, are you really first in our life? Anoint me to communicate this, Father God. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that this thing explode in us. And God, we begin to really examine ourselves. Are you first? Lord, I pray, God, that you would just tap on our shoulders and our hearts. And God, reveal to us what we need. Speak to us the precious word of God today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Hold your Bibles in the air and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. 
deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. High five two or three people and say, hey, put God first. A man dies and he leaves his good friend, his doctor, and his preacher $30,000 each. $90,000 split it. He says, hey, you guys love me at my funeral. I'll just throw that money in that casket. They said, okay. So the funeral came. He died. and They go through the proceedings and the process of it. And, and uh, they throw their money in there. And they're afterwards at the church eating potato salad, having a good time. And the good friend looks over to the other two and he says, guys, I got a confession to make. He said, I didn't throw the whole $30,000 in there. He said, I kept back $7,000. He said, I know, I know. I'm a terrible guy. I shouldn't have done it. The doctor looks over at me. He says, well, he said, we've been having some problems at the office. He said, so I guess I need to confess. I kept $20,000. I, I, I put all in but $20,000 and did the same thing myself. Preacher said, well, he said, I gave it all. I wrote him a check. I want to talk about the principle of first things. We all understand the principle of first things. I mean, one of my favorite first is the First Amendment of the United States. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting, praise God, the free exercise thereof. Aren't you glad you live in the United States of America? Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble or the, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I'm so thankful for our rights to be able to speak, to be able to assemble together, to be able to worship Christ. We all love our First Amendment rights, don't we? Amen. I, I came across this little, little deal here. It says, firstborns gravitate towards positions of leadership because that was their position in the family. Interesting. When there's a family crisis, everyone tends to go to the firstborn. It's, it's amazing, proven statistic and proven uh, deal here. They're perfectionists generally. They excel in structured occupations and prefer orderly lives. They're reliable, conscientious, punctual, and goal-oriented, and they love to make lists. In fact, the male firstborn is likely to be calculating, controlling type who keeps his feelings to himself. The firstborn of the family, if they're male, tends to be people like architects, engineers, accountants, writers. But paradoxically, it's interesting, firstborns are generally more creative than laterborns. It, it's true. Show me a really good artist, he says, and I'll show you a first, firstborn. Interesting how, how that dynamic kind of works sometimes. We, we're all familiar when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, the first man on the moon, and he said what? One small step for man, one giant leap for for mankind. And so we understand the principle of putting God first. And we need to put God first in our finances. A man and his family drove uh, home from church. And the man just just was blistering the church. I mean he's, he's complaining the whole way home. He's telling his family the music was too loud. And the sermon was too long. And the people were unfriendly. And the building was hot. And the list went on and on and on. And his very observant little son looked at him and said, Come on, Dad. You know it wasn't bad show for just a dollar. 
farmer lived in the Irish countryside, and, uh, and he, he lived alone, but he had a pet that was very near and dear to him, and the pet died. So he heads to the Catholic parish priest, and he says, hey, what do you, he says, can we do a service for my dead dog? Man, Father Patrick said, hey, we don't really do services for animals here. He said, but there's a new denomination down the road, and there ain't no telling what they'll believe. They might do a service for you. He says, oh, man, that's great. Thank you so much. And as he started to walk out the door, he looked back. He said, hey, he said, let me ask you something. He said, do you think $50,000 is a, is a good amount of money to give to the church, you know, for a service like this? To which Father Patrick said, well, why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? <laughs> I want to dive in to first this morning, and this is so important. Everybody say first. We're going to study in Genesis 4 about the first sons, the first two born children ever on this earth, the first two born sons, the firstborns. They are possibly twins. Many theologians believe they were because it doesn't say she conceived again and bore a son. It just says, and again, she bore a son. So it doesn't really matter whether they were twins or not. The fact is they were the first sons and they were full grown at this point in the scripture. Both had jobs. Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. And Abel was a, a, a keeper of the sheep. He was a sheep herder. The first two professions known basically was farming and, and animal keeping, shepherding. And so they, that's what they did. And they were to bring and to do things the right way. They were as first sons to deliver offerings the right way and to do things first and to put God first and I'm sure Adam and Eve taught them no doubt and the scripture is going to bear out that they taught them to put God first and so I, I want to start with point number one and it's a lot like the sermon title a couple weeks ago and that is giving is a heart issue remember we talked two weeks ago about it's all about the heart giving is a heart issue poke your neighbor and say giving is a heart issue now the Bible says in the process of time or in the end of time when the when the time came around that Cain brought an offering. And so this is the first offering that we read about in the Bible that man gives to God. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. We understand that, the produce of the land. And Abel brought of the firstlings of his animals. He brought the fat. In other words, he brought the first and he brought the best. The Bible says Cain just brought some of the fruit of the land. Now, Adam most likely was the one that taught them to sacrifice. And even though this is the first offering we ever read about in the Bible, it is most likely believed by most theologians that this was something they had done many times before. Adam and Eve had taught them to do this. God had taught them to do it. And now they're teaching their boys to do it. So this was something they knew, they understood, and they practiced. Now, God, we also know uh, this about them. Number one, they both brought an offering. Number two... God respected and accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. The question is, and what we're going to find out today is, why did God reject Cain's offering and not Abel's? So let's dive in there, and that is this. The difference is in the offerings brought. The Bible says in the process of time, over the course of time, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to God. Now, in Hebrew, it literally translates, and it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. And what the implications are is, just whenever he felt like it, in his own timing, 
in his own way, Cain just decided one day to go ahead and give God an offering. Now, you, gotta admit, you can't miss this. This wasn't Cain's first offering. He understood and he knew the principle of putting God first. But the language in the Hebrew is indicating and it is showing very clearly that Cain just kind of showed up when he wanted to. He kind of did what he wanted to and he didn't do things how he was supposed to. His attitude was one of, hey, wherever I want and whatever I want. And there are some church folks in the church that will say, Pastor, I, I just give however I feel led. I just, I feel led. Man, there's a, there's a saying out there going in the church today. Oh, it's, I, I feel led to, Pastor. I feel led to. Here's the problem with that. God has clearly dictated and put us in the book, in the scriptures, exactly what we're supposed to do. How many of you know that anything you have questions for in life on how to live your life, what to do, what God expects, is absolutely written in the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, it's the book for... The Bible teaches us and tells us what to do and how to do things. It's like saying, well, I'm going to, Pastor, I love my wife however I feel led. No, you're going to love your wife as God put in the book for you to love her. Amen? And that's like Jesus loves the church. That means we die. And you hear, well, I love my husband the way I feel led. No, you love him the way God put in the book for you to love him. Everything we need to know is in the book. God has put it in the scriptures. However I feel led, listen, is usually just an excuse for rebellion. It's usually just an excuse to say, well, I'm going to do things like Cain, how I want, in my style, in my way, and don't nobody ever better not tell me different. And preacher, I'm tired of this generosity series. It's time for you to move on to something else. I'll give whatever I want. I'll give however I feel led. Listen, when it comes to giving, that is the spirit of Cain. When you have the attitude, if you do, I will give whatever I want, however I want. Nobody's going to tell me different. It's the spirit of Cain. And Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of what? Death. Jude 1, 11 says this. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of who? Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceived people for money. And like Korah, they perish in the rebellion. So he says, hey, when you're walking like that and you have that kind of an attitude, instead of doing it the way God wants, you're kind of like Cain and Korah. You're kind of either moved by greed or rebellion. And I want to tell you something, and I know this is going to be strong this morning, but you've got to hear me. If you're not giving God tithes and offerings, it's generally one of two things, greed or rebellion. And it's saying, God, I'm going to do things my way. In the process of time, I might come around to it, but don't tell me how to do things. That's what, what, what stops us from giving to God first is generally that. Look what 1 John 3, 2, 12 says. Do not be like who? Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. In other words, Cain knew better. He knew what he was supposed to do, and I know the scripture bears it out. And even if he didn't, God still came to him in Genesis 4, and he said, Hey, look, sin is crouching at the door. You've got to master this. You know what God was doing? God was giving him a chance to repent. 
God was saying, you have the opportunity to get this right. And when you come in here under the sound of my voice in a message like this, what God is saying, he's not here to beat anybody up. He's not here to cast stones at anybody. He is here to say, hey, this is an opportunity for you to correct this and do this my way. And I'm going to tell you in the last part of this message here in just a few moments, you're going to be very excited when I teach you what it is, what happens when you do it God's way. Somebody shout, I can't wait. So instead of repenting, Cain got bitter and angry at God. Proverbs 19.3 says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then get angry at God. Wow. When, just like Cain, we often get angry when God corrects us. Cain allowed the enemy to deceive him and turn him bitter. And what Satan is trying to do to you and I, he wants you to get bitter. He wants to mess things up and then get you mad at God. Because giving is a heart issue. When you stay angry at God instead of have a repentant heart, it is death. There's no way, you're not going to win in that situation. Giving is all about the heart. Everybody say it's a heart issue. So because of that, what, what, what do we mean by this, Pastor? This, okay, I, I got this whole thing about Cain. and I got. What are you trying to drive home? And that is this. Point number two is this. Give God the first of everything. Everybody say the first. Make sure you hold up this finger and not another one when you point it at me. Amen. Give God the first of everything. Poke your neighbor and say first. Of everything. So we know that Cain just kind of showed up whenever he wanted. Why did God regard Abel's the best? Why did he say, I like what Abel has done? Let's look at the scriptures. Hebrews 11.4 says this. It was by faith. Wait, right off the bat, we get some attention here. Everybody say, by faith. That Abel brought a more acceptable, a superior offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. Leave this up for a minute. Do your offerings give evidence that you're a righteous person? His offering gave evidence he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by the example of faith. Your Bible says in Genesis 4.4, don't miss this. He gave the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. You know what he did? He gave God the first and he gave God the best. Wow. Don't miss this principle. He gave God the first and he gave God the best. I'm going to flesh this out for you because I want to tell you, if we'll give God the first and the best, God's going to redeem and bless the rest. You've got to hear this. The key word is firstlings or first. Abel offered in faith. Cain did not. Watch this. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. The question is, what's first? So if I have $10 bills that I have here, and, and I look at my $10 bills, I say, well, which one is the tithe? The answer is the first one that goes out. Don't miss this. Everybody say the first. I'm trying to drive home a point here. I believe there are many people who bring God 10%. But they are still not tithing because they aren't giving him the first. Go to the next slide, please. They are giving him the leftovers. Did you know you can give God 10% and you're still not tithing? See, watch this. It takes no faith whatsoever in my life. 
It takes zero faith for me to pay the mortgage, pay the car, pay the utilities, go to the grocery store, have my cabinets and my refrigerator full, done whatever I want, get the nails done, play golf, get a massage, whatever, go buy the latest, greatest thing, and then say, well, I got 10% left over. Let me go give that to God now. That takes no faith. But it takes great faith to say, God, the first 10% is yours, and I'm trusting you that the remaining 90%, you will then pay the mortgage and pay the credit card and pay all the other stuff and fill my cabinet. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hebrews 11:6 6 says it this way. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, Romans 11:6 basically says here, that a first fruit offering to God redeems the remaining portion. Don't miss this. A first fruit offering to God, the tithe, redeems the remaining portion. You've got to check this out. Would you rather have 100% of your income with no blessing on it, or 90% of your income with God's supernatural blessing on it? Which would you rather have? How many would say, I want the 90% with God's supernatural blessing on it? The first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. That's why we don't give the first portion to the mortgage company, to the auto loan, or the cable provider. Why? Because those entities don't have the power to redeem and bless the rest. Only God does. Some Christians revere the IRS and the mortgage company more than they do God. The principle of putting God first says this. Yes, I have a stack of bills. But I trust God implicitly to bless the rest after I put him first to take care of me. Every time you get paid, your question is asked and the test is given again from last week. Are you going to put God first? That's what it is. Do we trust Him or not? We have to bring the first fruits or the tithe to God first. Watch what happens in Genesis 47. Joseph institutes a principle here that even wicked Pharaoh obeys. Check this out. So Joseph established. Everybody say establish. That means he established a principle for us today. It started in Genesis. He started in the world. He started it in Egypt. He started in our, on, our, on our pagan king who did not have a covenant with God. He established a law concerning land in Egypt. Still in force today. Watch what it says. That a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. So he says, hey, 20% belongs to Pharaoh. If you think God's greedy with 10%, you should try Pharaoh. The world always takes double from you. It was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Watch what he did. Pharaoh, you get yours, but God's getting his. I love this. You've got to check this out. Pharaoh, you get your 20%, but the priests belong to God. And Joseph said, you're not touching what belongs to God. And a wicked king in Egypt said, I can go with that. I'll let God have his first. You let me get my 20% next. It is an amazing principle of putting God first. This is not an Egyptian practice. This is an Israeli practice here. So watch how this fleshes out in Exodus 13, 1-2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Firstborn male. The first offering of every womb among the Israelites belongs to who? 
The first belongs to who? Whether human or animal. Basically, God's saying, it's all mine. And he goes on down the list here, and in verse 13, here's what he says. He says, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Notice he doesn't say, notice he says the first lamb. Notice he doesn't say, well, oh, I see you have ten lambs. Well, you go and give God one. No, he says the first one redeems the rest, and it belongs to God. You've got to catch this. If you don't redeem it, if you don't redeem it from under the curse, he says, here's what you do. You break its neck. You know what God is basically saying? Either way, you're going to lose it. Either way, the tithe belongs to God. The tithe is going out of your account. Whether you give it or the devourer takes it. The question is, do I want to be blessed or do I want to be under a curse? You are either return the tithe to God or the enemy will take it. But what he's basically saying, if you don't redeem it, break its neck. In other words, it's leaving whether you like it or not. I want to tell you something. I'd much rather return the tithe to God and be blessed than to devour to take 20% and I'm still under a curse. Anybody catching this? Is this the word of God today? Y'all looking at me like I'm preaching the Koran. I promise you, it's the Bible. Amen? So he goes on to say in verse 14 and 15, I love this. In days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. That is why I sacrificed to the Lord and the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. In other words, you want to know why I do this? You know, when the son goes, hey, why'd you break its neck? What's wrong with you, dad? I'll tell you why. Because there was a day I was in slavery. There was a day I was in bondage. There was a day I was I was in the world and I had no blessing and I was under a curse and I had nothing. Everything I had belonged to Pharaoh including myself. But God with a mighty hand saved me from that awful land. And you see the house we live in son? It's because of God. You know the food we have? It's because of God. You know the camels we ride to church? It's because of God. Somebody shout amen. Everything we have is because of God. So that's why we do it son. Every one of my kids, I did that. Every one of my kids, I let them see a tie check on purpose from time to time. And you go, oh, that's a big amount, God. Dad, whoa, that's a lot. You know, to children, it's a lot of money. And I said, well, you know what? I wasn't always saved. I was in the world. I was addictions. I had unforgiveness. I, was, I had all kinds of emotional wounds. I was wounded. I was hurt. I was beaten down. I was thrown for the wolves. I was dead and lost and gone. And by a mighty hand of Jesus Christ, he reached me down and reached down and he grabbed me, pulled me out of a deep miry clay and pulled me over here in this land. And look at everything I have. I'm so blessed. The family I have. Man, when we sat around the table, I said, man, nobody can be more thankful for Jesus than I am at this table. I know God has forgave me more. I know he's, he's done more for me. And I want to just thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why do I give time? Well, one, the book says to, but two, God has rescued me me. He has saved me. He's delivered me. He's blessed me. I walk in blessing. I'm free. I don't have addictions anymore. I'm healed of my wounds. I'm blessed and highly favored. Why would I not want to give God my best? Somebody shout glory. 
Does anybody feel like I do? That's what he's saying. This you tell your son. This is why you're doing it. Because God's been good to you. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do. But encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's the same principle. Watch this. In giving as it is on Sunday mornings. When you choose to come on a Sunday morning and worship God. What is Sunday? It's the first day of the week. When do we worship God? First part of the day. First day of the week. When you come in here on a Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and you give God. Listen, Sunday is more than just an attendance show. It's more than just coming to worship God. When you get up, you get dressed, and you haul yourself to the house of God. Even if you've got to bring your kids in Batman pajamas because they won't get up. It's okay. You haul them in Batman pajamas, and they'll get dressed next week. Amen? And you got all kinds of things going on. And you say, well, I can't get my hair just right. It's all right. When you get the Holy Ghost and get the moon around, it's going to get all shaky anyway. So just go on and have yourself a time. Here's my point. When you come here and you say, God, I'm going to worship you on a regular basis. I'm going to give you the first part of the first day of the week. Watch this. God will redeem and bless the rest. When you give God tithe, God redeems and blesses the rest. When you give God first part of your Sunday, your week, by coming and worshiping Him, He will bless and redeem the rest. How many of you want God to redeem and bless the rest of your week? We all miss because of a sickness here, or vacation, or you know, work sometimes. All these things happen. But if you can only manage to come to the house of God once or twice a month, What's that saying to God? Anytime we lay at home and we frivolously lay out for no good reason, what we're saying is, God, I really don't want you to redeem and bless the rest of my week. I, I'd like to see how things go without you doing that. See, church attendance is more than just coming to get a good sermon and say, I've eased my conscience. It is a living sacrifice, Romans 12 and 1 and 2, that says, God, I am physically going to put you first. Everybody shout amen. amen. Oh, I'm going to preach a little while here. Amen. Uh, listen, when you, watch this, the 21-day fast and prayer. I know, ooh, people are cringing already. <laughs> no! No, I thought he was going to forget. No, God won't let us forget. 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. What month is January on the calendar? Why do we do it early in January? Watch this. When you fast and pray and you sacrifice and give God, watch this, the first and the best part of your year, God redeems and blesses the rest. It's a principle that goes in everything in our life. When we start our day in prayer and worship and the word, what's it saying to God? It's saying, God, I'm giving you the first of my day, the best of my day, depending on whether you're a morning person or not, but at least the first. And what does God say? Okay, I'm going to redeem and bless what? How many of you want God to bless and redeem the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your year, your finances, and everything in your life? 
Hear me now. If you've never heard me, listen to me in seven years of being here. Hear this. If you will put God first in your day, your week, your month, your year, your finances, everything you have. God will bless and redeem the rest. Is anybody catching this? This is tremendous news. This is a promise from God. This is not I'm hoping, I'm wishing. This is God saying, it will be done. I will redeem and bless the rest. Do you want to walk in blessing and have redemption the rest of your life? Give God your best, your first. Wow. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. I'm telling you, it's a principle I try to practice in my life always. And Holly and I do. And I'm telling you, we walk in blessing. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord. Everybody say honor. Honor the Lord with your possessions. With the first fruits of all your increase. The tithe of everything you are increased by. So that, watch the redeemed and bless the rest. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now we don't have vats of wine and we don't have barns and all that. Most of us don't anyways today. What is that? So your checking account will have more than enough. So God will even put some in your savings account for a rainy day. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Here's the deal. Honor the Lord with your possessions and your tithe, basically. And I'll bless the rest. Listen, we live in a society of dishonor. When you see some of the things that they say and do against the President of the United States, whether you like him or not, that is the office that God has established. Take the personality out of it. The dishonor that they show, no matter which president, it could be the former one, the one before, the one now, doesn't matter. When they get done with this one, it'll be the next one, and there'll be a whole half the nation will dishonor him too. Listen, you're cutting your, your nose off to spite your face. God is a God of honor. And God says, will you honor me with the first? We need to be careful what we say. This is a little side menu here that doesn't cost you anything extra. Be very careful about what you say to offices that God has created. God is a God of honor. Everybody say honor. Earlier this year, Aaron's school bus got in a little fender bender. And, and it, they were late to school because the policeman had to come and interview all the kids. And the police officer starred Aaron's name and called later that day and left a message to Holly. And he said, listen, he said, here's what happened. Explain. Everybody's okay. It's just a little fender bender. But I had to interview all the kids. What did they see? He said, I, I had a hard time getting kids to answer questions. They, they were disrespectful. He said, until I got to your son. He said, your son answered all my questions with a good attitude. Every answer was yes, sir, and no, sir. And he said, I just wanted you to know, I put a star by his name because I wanted specifically to call you and tell you what a fine job you've done raising this young man. It's exactly what the police officer said. Do you know what the police officer found? One kid in a school bus that showed him honor. One only. You want to know why our nation's going to hell in a handbasket? We have no honor. Kids don't honor parents. Adults don't honor leaders in the community. Nobody honors anybody anymore. And I want to tell you, I'm going to preach probably a series on this one day next year. And that is this. God is a God of honor. 
And when we honor God with our Sunday morning attendance, and we honor God with our prayer and our fasting in the first of the day and the first of the year, and we honor God with a tithe, He smiles like I do when I hear that about my son. Do you know what happened when I heard that about my son? Man, my shoulders went back. Man, I just felt like King Kong. Man, I'm ready to run through a wall. Holly told me that. I was like, my son. My son. I wanted to get on the loudspeaker. No, he didn't score a touchdown or win the World Series. But he showed honor to authority. And he will walk in blessing the rest of his life if he does that. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Tithing is about honoring. So here's my questions for you. Will you honor God? Will you honor God in obedience to his tithe? Will you honor God with your life? Okay, okay, Pastor, I'll honor God with the tithe. Where do I bring it? What do I do with it? Exodus 23, 19. I'm glad you asked. The first of the first fruits of your land. Everybody say tithe. You shall bring. Again, don't, you don't give it. You never give tithes. You bring tithes. Because the tithe's not yours. It's God's. So if I say, Pete, can I borrow your truck for a day? And I return his truck to his house and I say, here's the keys. I want to give you your, I want to give you a truck. Pete's going to look at me and say, man, if you fell off the wagon, that's my truck. No, no, I want to return. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the keys, man. It's yours. I didn't give him anything. I returned to him what belonged to him. When you tithe, you're not giving God anything. You're returning to God what belongs to him. You shall bring into where? The house of the Lord your God. The tithe, the 10%, the first fruit, belongs in the house of God where you attend, where you're being spiritually fed. What does that mean? That means you don't give the tithe 10% to a water in Africa. That's not the way it works. The tithe belongs in this local house where you attend. Offerings over and above that can go as much as you want to do wells and Honduras and all that. But the tithe belongs where? In the house of God in the local place where you attend. Deuteronomy 26.2 says this. Put some of the first produce from each crop you harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the house of God, to the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be what? God said, I've got a place where it goes and it belongs in the house of God. That settles it, folks. Tithing allows God to bless and redeem the remaining 90%. Now, I know it can be scary, but if you'll trust God and do it, you can do it. There was a guy in my last church. He got saved and they came across the tithing thing and he was like, whoa. And he went home and he talked to his wife about it. And he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, if we're going to be Christians, then we're going to live the whole Bible. He said, we're going to tithe, but he said, I just want you to know, in four months, we will no longer have the money to make our house payments. He said, but we're going to see what God does, because he said, test him. And we're going to see if God will do this. And they stepped out in faith. Not only had they never missed, ever, a house payment, God started exalting him. He became the guy, you know when you go to the airport, they have kiosks now, you can sign up outside, you don't have to go to the counter. How many know what I'm talking about? You check in at the kiosk and all that? He helped design that. His picture was on a Wheaties box for Delta Airlines. He became one of the main negotiators for them. Then he went to the Mannheim Brothers, which is the, they, they own all of the auto auctions. If you have, buy a used car, it's come or gone through them. 
He's their main negotiator now. And God has blessed him and exalted him. And you name it because he chose to say, I'm going to trust God and we're going to see what God will do. I promise if you'll trust him, it could be scary, but God will help you through. In Jericho, Jericho was the first city in Canaan and it belonged to God. Watch what Joshua 6, 18 through 19 says. Check this out. But keep away from the devoted things. The first belong to God. So that you will not bring about your own destruction. He clearly says if you touch what belongs to God, you're, you're destroying yourself. By taking any of them. What? Whatever was in Jericho, he said was his. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. You know what God was saying? This is the first city and it's mine. Don't touch it. However, if you give it to me, I'm going to redeem and bless the rest. Everything else will be yours. But this is mine. Don't miss this here. They had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The same manna, the same shoes. Ladies, the same shoes for 40 years. The same top, the same dress, the same 40 years. Watch this. And they walk into Jericho and they see something new. And maybe Achan walks in and says, you know, it's my anniversary. I believe I'll take some of that Babylonian garment there and some of that. I'm just going, you know, my wife ain't had nothing good in 40 years. I'm going to bless her with something new. What's the big deal, God? The big deal was God is first. Listen, God is first and always will be. If he played golf, he'd get a hole in one every hole. His score would be 18 every time and nobody could ever beat him. God told Abraham, I want you to give your firstborn son Isaac. Check this out. When he was willing, God opened his eyes to see there was a ram provided for him. I love this. When God told Abraham to give his son Isaac and he was willing, God opened his eyes and saw him a ram over there. So what did God do? He did two things. He said, I see Abraham, you're willing to give me your first. So one, I'm going to provide for you. And two, I'm going to protect your family. How many of you would like for God to protect your family and provide for you? When we obey God with the tithe, he'll provide and protect us. If I want to grow vegetables and fruit trees in my backyard, but I don't want deer and possums and raccoons and everything else to eat my food, or some thieves to come take it, I might build a fence around it to protect it. That's tithing. But if you really want it to grow and be blessed and you give offerings above that, that's like adding miracle grow and watch it grow. See, when you give God, you bring Him the tithe and you give Him offerings, God protects and provides. Don't miss this. If you don't believe me, try it out for yourself. And final point, watch this. God Himself gave us His first. You've got to catch this. Do you know what the first fruits and the firstborn represents in the New Testament? Jesus. You know what God said? I'm going to tithe my first. Catch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. 
Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of, son, of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and sisters. Listen, the first fruit, the tithe, represents the sacrifice of God's only begotten Son, Jesus. So watch what happens here. God said, I'm going to give you my tithe in Jesus so that I can redeem and bless the rest. I am going to give you my firstborn in Jesus so that you, me, can be redeemed and blessed. If God did that for us, why wouldn't we want to do the same? We were redeemed and blessed. Somebody shout glory. You say, God is first in my life. Okay, let me see two things, your checkbook and your calendar. Because those two things will tell me what's really first in your life. Can God boast to the angels in heaven if he is truly first in your life? Look at the next slide, if you will. Can God boast to the angels in heaven if he's truly first in your life? Musicians come so they'll think I'm going to shut up. In all seriousness, Jimmy Johnson, when coaching on the college level, had a wife. He had the appearance of a family because it was expected at that time of college football coaches. As a matter of fact, they needed it for social events and so forth. It was a, it was a facade. It was a fake. It was just out of, out of necessity. But the minute he became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he decided to get rid of this excess baggage. And so he lost her and threw her away like an old newspaper. Get out of my life. You're hindering me from what I'm supposed to be doing. He threw her to the curb. He admitted in an interview he never once bought his son, his, his children, a birthday present or a Christmas present. He said, I didn't have time for that, and they weren't a priority. My priority was getting to the top. And so in January of 1993, he got to the top. He won the Super Bowl. He was the head man. He was, listen, three out of four Super Bowls, he won. He was on top of the world. And so what happens next? And what happens next? And where is he going to be when he's dying an old man without any family and nobody around because he put the wrong thing first? Balance that with Tom Landry. Tom Landry, the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, said this, quote, unquote, The thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. He said, I think God has put me in a very special place. Listen to the, these are the, quote, unquote, words of Tom Landry. And he expects me to use it to his glory in everything I do. Whether coaching football or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian. Talk about a man with priorities. Listen to the last sentence. He said, Christ is first, family is second, football third. There's a man that had it together. He had his priorities right. So if you will bow your head and close your eyes. I got a simple question today. Is God first in your life? Is your heart right with God or do you find yourself more like Cain, bitter and angry? Are you giving God the first of everything in your life? The first of your money, your day, your week, your month, your year? Maybe you're here today. Maybe this is your first time ever here. And you say, preacher, the fact is, I, I don't even, I don't know much about this church thing, but I can tell you this, God is not first in my life. 
I don't even know what Jesus did for me. He died on a cross to save your sin, save you from your sin. Preacher, I don't, I don't even think I understand much of this, but I feel dirty inside. I feel like, man, I'm missing something big time. That person is Jesus. And he's here to redeem you. That means he'll save you from your sins and he'll, he'll make you one of his own. He'll change your life forever. When I came to Christ, I was a wounded, emotional mess. Full of hurt and pain and bitterness and unforgiveness. I had addictions. And I came to Jesus in all my mess and he saved me and he pulled me out of a mess I couldn't pull myself out of. He cleaned me up. And I'm a new person in Christ Jesus today because of Jesus. I'm telling this to somebody. There's somebody here who needs to hear this. You say, preacher, that's me. I, I want to receive Jesus. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand in there. Man, I want Jesus in my life. I feel like God is dealing with somebody. I want Jesus in my life. While we pause, I want to ask everybody in here. Is... God first in your life. Can you go to your calendar and your checkbook and say, yep, here's the proof. Jesus is first. Do you honor God? This is not about money. This is about your life. All of your life. They're going to lead us in a song now, but I want you, if you will, to just turn your seat into an altar area. Maybe if you're comfortable, you get on your knees, put your elbows on the chair, and just make it a prayer bench. If you're not physically able, just, just kind of sit, maybe sit forward a little bit and just maybe put your hands in your face. However you're comfortable praying, whatever posture. You cry out to God and say, God, if you're not, if he's really not first in every area, repent of that. If he is, ask God to keep you in that place where you're putting him first always. Come on, folks, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray.